1: This episode is brought to you by City Index. You shouldn't have to pay a premium for the most exciting market opportunities. Start trading the biggest companies for less with City Index's commission free US share CFDs. Go long or short with $0 commission on Apple, Amazon, and our full range of US markets, both in and out of hours. Visit cityindex.com to try a risk free demo account today. City Index, invested in your success. All trading involves risk. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COB is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. It's the seventh of September, twenty twenty-two. This is the COB, the stuff you need to know about the day in business and markets. I'm Nadine Blaney here with David Scott. Ah, oh, look, that was a pretty, pretty poor session.
2: Yeah, and pretty much came out of nowhere as well. And I don't think it was just the ISM uh, non-manufacturing PMI in the states; it was a catalyst here. Uh, just there's a lot of different factors at play, which are all pointing to the fact that we're likely to go and see continued resilience in inflationary pressures. And then we know what the uh, fallout will that will be: more aggressive rate hikes. And I think that's just starting to go and really sink in for a lot of investors.
1: Yeah, and also just concerns about continued demand destruction in some of the biggest economies in the world. You know, you think about what's going on in Europe in terms of inflation, yes, and rates, yes. You think about China as well. Um, You know, when we look at trade, trade data showing that, uh, look, uh, trade is really, um, you know, exhibiting demand waning, not just at, at home there in China, but also abroad as well. So exports and imports lost momentum in Um, in August, that was the month of August. So experts rose about 7% in August, down from an 18% gain in July. Um, so yeah, that really took the wind out of the sales of the commodities, um, plays, particularly here with, uh, the miners being hit hard and energy as well. I mean, Woodside was off by more than 3%. Yeah, it's
2: a lot uh, problems that we're already looking at with China as well that uh, keep people on edge and a bit jumpy. Looking at, uh, it's interesting though, that the data comes out, of course, it was uh, softer than expected, but uh, with every soft reading, there's still that uh, reaction function in markets which automatically goes and implies more stimulus. I'm looking Mm -hmm. at some of the uh, other movements in Chinese bulk and steel futures, and they've all rebounded off the lows quite a lot. So, yeah, in that sense, it's like yeah, bad bad news is good news when it comes to more easing. But of course, you need to actually have the ability to go and uh, and get through, and push out that uh, that infrastructure rollout and uh, and see economic activity rebound to get excited. Uh, and there's no uh, no sign of that happening yet.
1: Not yet. Uh, look in the materials space, the exception to the rule were the lithium miners and. Uh, yeah, we had a lot of love going to the lithium miners yesterday from brokers. I spoke with a small lithium explorer in Canada this morning just to you know, just to touch base, just to find out what was happening there. That is Winsome Resources and it's up on the website. If you'd like to listen in, just um it was interesting to hear Chris Evans' point of view on um why what they're looking for and we'll soon Uh, mine in the Canadian province of Quebec is actually really desirable in terms of lithium. But anyways, I digress. So yeah, it was the materials space, it was the energy space, but the banks were absolutely hammered, nabbed down by 3.3%, Macquarie off by 3.3% as well, which is interesting because you know there were brokers coming out today saying that, well, interest rates are rising, so that means that we'll start to see an improvement in margins coming through from these banks. And then we had the GDP read, which, I mean, does show still resilience in the Australian consumer, at least in the second quarter.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it comes with a caveat, as a lot of things do nowadays, given the uncertainty, that it only really captured the first of the uh, the rate hikes coming through from the RBA. Of course, that was only a little tiddler as well. Uh, since then, we've had some pretty big boppers, the 50s uh, coming through left, right and centre. Household uh, uh, incomes, uh, the savings ratio there, uh, we're still saving about uh, 8.7%. That's down from the double digits that we saw in the previous quarter. But we're still saving quite a lot. But that, of course, is an aggregate figure across the entire economy. It's tabled after-tax income and then divided by uh, what our expenditure is, and that's what the figure arrives at. And I wonder just, you know, some of the, uh, the divergence between different income groups might uh, might explain why people are feeling uh, a little bit pessimistic out there in consumer sentiment and why a lot of people are cautious about the outlook for consumer spending moving forward. Because, of course, uh, high-income high households are far more likely to go and uh, and, and save or splurge in, in other areas other than uh, no discretionary uh, items. So, we'll see.
1: It's an interesting one, isn't it? And because of all the stimulus that we've had in all these various measures you know it's tough it's tough to get a read really on how consumers are feeling as well because you know you get the weekly consumer confidence read coming through and um you know you continue to see some some improvement over the past few weeks i mean it rebounded last week to reach its highest level nearly since since june so Go figure. Look, I don't think we're going to figure it out right here, right now. As far as equities go, though, um, just to put it out there and to reiterate, we did see the market down to 6729 So that's a loss of about 1.4%. I had a conversation with Carl Kapulinga on the trade today, and he said, watch out, the charts are telling him this market could fall to as low as 6000 500. He reckons you should be getting your shorting strategy dusted off. You should be looking for companies to short because when you look at sectors, he said there's just ripe for opportunities. I'm not going to give it away because you can listen to it via the show notes, but he gives us six companies that you could potentially consider uh, to short right now based on the technicals. Enticing, isn't it, Scotty?
2: Oh, well, I've never shorted a stock. I've shorted plenty of other things, but uh, certainly not a stock. But uh, maybe I'll go and add it to my repertoire. Of course, there'll be full disclaimers uh, whenever I go and do that. Should I
1: do it? Should you do it? I'm just saying go take a listen to Carl. It was a fun chat. Um, I I did actually relatively little talking and just let him sort of run the show. So that's always nice at that time of the day. Other stock moves at Link. It uh, did see an update coming through on the second hearing of its uh, court. Uh, Appearance, Elders and Grain Corp did well today. That's because we're getting a bit of broker love coming through for those companies, particularly in the wake of that A-Bears report. I spoke with um, Adam Doss from Sean Partners today who reiterated that Elders is the pick of the bunch in terms of some of those uh, commodity-linked stocks for them. Um, But we also had an update coming through today from United Malt Group. And United Malt Group is just talking about, well, some refinancing of debt covenants, but also uh, just uh, the dynamics of the barley market. So that was up by 1.7%. So I don't want to get too dire on the day. There were those companies that did hit. There were misses, some of which had to do with uh, going ex-dividend. But just just on that positive note, let's get to the stock of the day. It was Metcash. Kashi sat down with his expert guests to find out what they think of the company going forward. Let's listen in.
2: The question is, is it sustainable in uh, rougher rough economic times? Um, if house prices are trending down, um, are people going to be spending as much on their hardware going forward? You know, they'll probably uh, dive more into liquor, I'd say, if, uh, if house prices mm-hmm. are going down. It's, uh, so, no, look, I, I, I was impressed by the update. Metcash has been a difficult business over the last uh, couple of decades. If you bought the shares in 2005, you haven't made any money apart from a couple of dividends. Um, so it's... It, it's not it's not a high return business, and that's shown in the uh, in the charts over the very long term. Um, so, uh, can they improve that going forward with the new CEO? Uh, I think he started in February, Doug. It's, uh, so uh, I'm not sure, but you know, early signs are showing that uh, that um,
0: that liquor and uh, and hardware are potentially going to uh, drive this business going forward. Yeah, generally speaking, this kind of uh, business is considered. Uh, a bit defensive because people need to buy food no matter what. However, I don't think that uh, Metcash is really as well positioned in in that regard as Woolworths and Coles, because even though the actual items they they sell, a lot of them are sort of must-haves for most families. um, If you're doing your shopping at the IGA, you're probably paying a slightly higher price than at Woolworths or Coles. Now, don't get me wrong. I love to buy stuff at the local IGA that's more convenient, but... I think as economic times do get tougher with interest rates going up, making uh, people who are perhaps have an onerous mortgage have to tighten the belts, I think there's some potential that they're going to uh, shift some of that spend maybe to the bigger supermarkets. So right. really, it's my absolute least favorite as an investor. I think it's, important, it's an important part of our society, and, and I like being a customer of Metcash. But yeah, I wouldn't buy shares really except in the sort of situation that Rob just talked
1: about. Okay, so that's the view on Metcash from Rob Shears from Valor Private Wealth, and Claude Walker from A Rich Life. So, uh, you can listen to that full episode to get the full thesis, or you may also want to listen to find out which stocks' performance has Claude Walker speech list. So, there's a good one to listen to. Um, Hey, Scotty, just while we're on the topic of listening to things and catching up, uh, today you can access via the show notes a link to the investment committee. It went live yesterday, and I've got to tell you, it was a really interesting episode. I had a chat with Kashi about it today. He was was surprised at how much movement there was in the portfolio and how much growth our guys were comfortable in going for. Um, So, yeah, if you've got a bit of spare time, I think it's a good one to listen to as well and you had a good chat today with simon khan as well about uh, three industrial blue chips you might want to take a look at so plenty of conversation today still a lot of talk about stocks even though we're in a bit of a lull when it comes to corporate news
2: oh yeah yeah the, uh, the macro environment uh, is doing more than enough work for us and giving us enough to go in and focus i'm just looking at a headline that came out not too long ago uh, Vladimir Putin on the wires uh, in Russia just saying the Gazprom and China have moved to a ruble and yuan settlement for gas 50 50 split. The bifurcation of the global economy is taking place. And uh, I hate to say it, but that is going to be highly inflationary and uh, very stagflationary, should it go and take place. Globalization, as we know it, uh, could be unraveling before our eyes. Hopefully not. But uh, that's another clear evidence that uh, the world is splitting into two.
1: Sure is. And on the inflationary environment, we have a whole heap of Fed speakers out in the next few days. We've already had one of those interviews published in the FT, and it's from Fed's Barkin, so the Richmond Fed president, Thomas Barkin, saying that uh, rates must stay high until inflation eases, saying that the Fed would need to tighten policy further so that real interest rates sit above zero. So this is just an indication of the fact that we will see these speakers towing the FOMCs or I sorry, Jay Powell's line before they go into blackout before that next FOMC meeting. So really setting out expectations there. Do you think we'll get yeah, 75 from them. the B, the Bank of Canada?
2: Uh look, that's that's in line with uh with forecasts. Uh, Tiff macklin has been um, doling him out uh, a heavy hitter. Who he, who would rule out a hundred basis points? He wants to get uh into restricted territory, you know get it done now instead of talking it up but uh who knows uh certainly there's uh there's a lot of interest there uh canada has been amongst the most aggressive out there amongst the first to go and kick off and uh, at this point no sign of a slowdown which is pretty ominous for anyone who's looking for a pivot anytime soon it certainly doesn't look like it's arriving
1: no pivot uh the language is going to change around that it has already although you know i do speak with people who uh who still anticipate that the the fed will be able to negotiate a soft landing. Also, the RBA, I mean, that's what it wants to do, Scotty, right? It wants to keep the economy on an even keel. That's a quote as it continues to, you know, beat away inflation expectations. We'll be hearing from Reserve Bank Governor Philip Lowe tomorrow. What meat does he need to put on the bones of uh, what was said yesterday?
2: Uh Probably around to you know, are they satisfied no. at neutral now? Do they think they're at you know, the lower end of that? Uh, and what comes next? Uh, certainly, when it comes to uncertainty about a housing market, they did go and mention that. That was one of the other focal points that a lot of people pointed to. Uh, so, we need to go now and figure out exactly you know what he's looking for when it comes to that housing data and the response from households. We'll probably get a clearer picture as to where they intend to go and take policy settings moving forward.
1: Well, tonight we have the Eurozone, final estimate of the second quarter GDP. We've got, well, as I mentioned, the Bank of Canada could, I mean, 75 basis points would be punchy still, but it did surprise markets back in July with that 100 basis point rate hike. So you never know. We get the trade deficit in uh, the United States as well as the Fed Beige Book. And we're still waiting to hear from Mester, Bernard and Barr who are all speaking at various times tonight. So we kind of know what we'll be waking up to, I guess, tomorrow in terms of central bank talk. But at least if, um, you know, U.S. futures are any indication. I mean, they've been pushing lower, or they've been they've been negative, I should say, throughout the day today. And, um, yeah, that's uh, ahead of this European Open where we've got a really tough talking Putin, as uh, you're probably seeing some of the comments coming across your screen as well. You know, it doesn't look like... Uh, there's much to look forward to in the upcoming session. Let's put it that way.
2: Yeah, look, uh, maybe it's, I know, when everything's the darkest just before the dawn, who knows, but there's certainly a lot of uh, negative news out there at this point in time. So, yeah, we'll see what's up. We'll see what tonight brings.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, thanks for today. Uh, Thanks for listening, everyone out there. And, uh, look, we'll see you tomorrow, Scotty. All right, take care.